I'm here with Darren Saul, who has been an IT recruiter for all of 20 years now. <laughs> That's right. Which is, you know, I guess, uh, obviously a lot of experience. How many, how many people would you have placed, Darren? Oh, you know, we were Hundreds talking about this just before, and I'd say it in the, be in the order of five, six hundred, maybe more. Like, who knows? Uh-huh. Five, six hundred. Yeah, in 20 years. Okay. Oh, yeah, track. I imagine it'd be a lot. 20 years, I guess, you know, mostly for yourself, and you've also done it previous to that. Now, here's the thing. You started in something completely different. That's right. You started as a pharmacist. Yes. <laughs> you got a degree in ph pharmacy. Yep. yep. How did that, um, how did that work? I mean, why, why did you make that change, I guess? Sure, sure, sure. So I started, like, I was always interested in science and um, I was always good at science and I was pretty good at school. So I, I always thought, all right, let's do pharmacy because it was, I thought, you know, it was pretty close to medicine and I would never have got the marks for medicine. And I, I just thought, all right, pharmacy, beautiful. <laughs> and uh, I went and I studied and I practiced for four or five years. And then I just realized that it just wasn't for me. Like I was, I'm a, I'm a people person. I was spending more of my time outside the pharmacy, talking to everybody walking by than actually in my dispensary, dispensing medication. And I feel you like, like you know what? I like to chat. I like to connect with people. I just couldn't be stuck behind there in my little cage, pumping out scripts and, you know, dealing with all that stuff. So I thought this is not going to be for me for the rest of my life. So um, but I guess it's interesting because you went into IT, right? Yeah. Which I guess you're recruiting for a position in, in many ways, not all the IT roles are like this, but yeah. many of those IT roles are behind a desk. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. Right? Yeah, yeah. And you're dealing with people who are doing that. Uh, and and my guess is, it is my experience now, because I, I worked in finance and I actually thought about becoming a recruiter once upon a time too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mentioned to you this before. Yeah. Um, because I found myself a little bit more common with the recruiter personality yeah. than with the finance one. Yeah. So I guess uh, a lot of the guys that you'll meet aren't necessarily people people, people as well, right? They they want to be in front of the computer doing stuff. Yes. How, how do you... Um, I guess, you know, being a different personality to the people you're trying to place, how do you work through that? Like, how do you help them? And I mean, do you tend to, you know, is there some sort of natural bias that happens, I guess, with a recruiter? Yeah, that's a people really good question. Yeah, really good question. So it's kind of, there's a few parts to that, I think. It's, it's, it's also about, um, like, how do I interact with my candidates? Mm -hmm. But then also, how do I screen and select my candidates for fit for my client. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like multifaceted in a way. And, and like, I've always been, I've always been really good with people. I've just got, I just love people. I really do. I love, I love connecting with people. I love talking to people. I love, you know, meeting new people. I love mm -hmm. chatting and I'm a good listener as well, even though I can talk, but I'm, when I'm in a conversation, a lot of the time I'm just a listener mm -hmm. and I've always been good with, you know, building rapport and just, good with people so it just came naturally to me um to work with different people different types you know i've got um you know i'm good at understanding the different types of people and what different nuances they have and what they might need to be responded to versus others you know what everybody needs something else mm -hmm. um so i've just been good with people and good at reading people so okay kind of been, is, that, is that something you you help with employers with because obviously you know, if some, if the guy is, let's say technically competent, very good yep. IT, um, you know, how do you, do you have to coach that guy to interview better or do you help with the employer to explaining this guy's really good at this stuff? Yeah, that's how a do really, you like that? good, really good question. I mean, nowadays more than ever before, um, I mean, it was always important, but nowadays there's always this big focus on, you know, the right fit, for the company, the right personality fit, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's about EQ, which is emotional intelligence, people that have the right attitude, the right aptitudes. And it's less about the skills and experience. It is it's always skills and experience is always important, mm -hmm. but people would forego 10 or 20% of their list of requirements in favor of a mm. fantastic personality and a fantastic attitude and enthusiasm that they know that they can train right and is that more important for a uh, in it or 
you know, do you think it's sort of more important in IT compared to other areas? Yeah. Um, because maybe it's a little bit rare. I don't know. What, what's your thought on that? Yeah, and it's true. Like IT is a bit of a paradox because, you know, a lot of techie people like to be behind the computer uh -huh. and they like to, they don't like to always be in front of other people and, you know, they're, they're more interested in the technology side of things. And there's different roles within IT. Some are more people oriented than, oriented than others. But um, IT companies still look for the softer skills and the non-technical skills as extremely important. Because mm -hmm. remember that um, whether you're working for an IT company or you're working for a corporate organization, as an IT person, you're still going to have to interact with other employees and other people and clients. So you still need to be good with people. So it's really important for people to have a really great self-awareness of how they are with other people and try and sharpen your communication skills, sharpen your, mm. your EQ. You know, that's a really big thing. I can't stress that enough for people looking for work, you know, and even in the interview process, how you interact with your interviewers, whether it's via Zoom or whether it's face-to-face -face or on the phone, how you interact with those people during the process will say a lot about who you are from a, as a person from your softer skills. So that's a really important skill to, to grow. And, and, you know, it's a never ending process, but it's really important to focus on, you know, when you're looking for work particularly. Mm, no, I understood. I mean, I always found it extremely important and, and especially after that initial few years, we sort of want that because you will have to deal with more people. Sure. Um, I'm going to start with this because I know um, at some point we'll get asked this. Um, <laughs> we'll get asked this. And I know people are joining us through Facebook as well. So you might not be able to do the Q&A. So if you do have questions, put it in the Q&A box. There's also Zoom chat. If you want everyone to see the chat, uh, make sure you select all panelists and all attendees. Uh, but in the Q&A box, we'll specifically answer this question. So type anything in there you like. Um, so actually, I won't get to it right now because uh, I, want you to, I want to lead to it, I guess. Um, you mentioned before, though, that one of the key things that people, uh, you know, myself and yourself have had people come to us where there's been a lot of... Uh, how do I put it? They've not been working for a while. Yep. And you hear all sorts of reasons. Oh, it's the system. It's the recruiters. Yeah. Uh, the recruiters are, are <laughs> you know, vampires without fangs. Yeah. Recruiters, don't, <laughs> uh, recruiters don't answer telephone calls. They don't answer calls. They never respond. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, all these reasons. Sure. But uh, you mentioned that you do have a strategy that you can you do teach people. And often this strategy works very well. Uh, what is that strategy that you have that helps people get that role? Awesome. Great. I love, I love talking about this because I've had so many candidates and job seekers come to me over the years. And a lot of them have come from overseas or they've come from different um, industries and it's their first time in IT or whatever. And, you know, they might come to me after not having much success for a little while and saying, look, how do I get, how do I get work? How do I get my break? And I say to them, and I've, I've given this advice to a lot of people over the years, and then invariably a lot of people come back to me after a certain amount of time, you know, a short period of time and say, Darren, thank you so much. You've really helped me. I've done what you said, and I've got a job, or I've got some interviews, or things are starting to happen. So what I want to really, I want to try and challenge job seekers out there to think of job seeking like kidding, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, they might think, what's he talking about? So I'm going to really try and explain this well, because when you're looking for work, you are basically selling and marketing yourself to an employer and to a recruiter, and sometimes to intermediate people that are going to refer you. So you have to think about yourself as a brand, as a personal brand, and market yourself and your experience and your skills um, to that, for that job and to that person, so they can say, great, this person's fantastic. I want to interview this person. I want to know more. I want to learn. So I, there's three steps to this. And I, I thought about this before and I thought, you know what, how can I really 
divide this up in a really simple way so people can understand three steps. The first one is if you're marketing yourself or mm -hmm. trying to achieve success in job seeking, you have to make sure that you are marketable, right? So that's where personal branding and self-awareness come in, right? You have to really make sure that, you know, you are putting your best foot forward. So you have to make sure you are, um, first of all, you have to do your preparation. You have to make sure your resume is ready. You have to practice. You have to role play your scenario, role play your, your articulating your story of where you've come from and what you've done. You have to role play every part of that process. You have to make sure that you're dressed accordingly. You have to make sure that you speak in the right manner, in a confident manner. You have to practice that. Practice the speed in which you speak. Practice your tone. You know, all these things. This, these are what, this is what makes, gives you your personal brand and makes you marketable for a job as opposed to another person. So that's number one. Number two is you have to actually go about that process of job seeking. And what I, what I say to people is don't just go on Seek or go on a job board or go on LinkedIn and say, oh yeah, I'm going to apply to that. I'm going to apply to that. I'm going to apply that. I'm, or I'm on the bus and I'm just going to flick resumes all over the place. Hit the button so now. Hit a button and send it out to a million people at the same time and hope that someone rings you back. That's not going to happen. You know, particularly if you're moving into the industry for the first time or for whatever reason, you have to be proactive. You have to be, you have to take the, you have to take control of your job seeking journey. And the way that I say, the way that I give advice to people in that respect is I say, okay, do some research on Seek, on LinkedIn, or wherever it's relevant, you know, in your area. And, and everything that I'm going to give you is relevant to all facets of job seeking. It doesn't have to be IT. This, this holds true for anyone looking for work. As simple as that. And I would say, do some research as to who, which agencies and which agents in particular are the people that you think are going to be able to help you. They might be agents, agencies, they might be direct companies or HR departments. They might be um, other people in, you know, influences that can help you find access to certain things. Mm -hmm. So do some research up front and put a list together of all those people that can help you and then go and be proactive in making contact with them. Right? Mm. And that might be, ideally you do it, with a telephone call if you can, but I know that's getting harder and harder these days mm -hmm. because people don't, there's so much volume. There's so little time. Recruiters are busy. You know, we don't get to answer all the phone calls, but you'd be, but even in that respect, you'd be surprised how many people don't even ring and don't leave a message. Mm -hmm. So they don't even allow us to ring you back, you know, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But so you have to really go through this journey and this process of putting yourself in front of all the people that can help you. And you have to, as I said, prepare your story, prepare your resume, prepare everything about you, be as marketable as you can, and then go and make, make contact with those people. And that's stage two. Mm. Say, look, this is Darren. Um, or, and if you can't do it on the phone, do it in an email, um, somehow connect with them and say, look, this is Darren. I've just, this is my story. I notice you've got a role that you're recruiting for. I'd love to talk to you for a minute or two if I can about my suitability and what I've been doing. And you might only get one or two out of 10 that actually allow you to, to go to that next step. But if you do nothing, and if you only just send out resumes and wait for people to ring you, you might get zero, All right? So this has already increased your chances by 10 or 20% just because you've actually taken the bull by the horns and you've said, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to put myself in front of you. And I've had so many people, so many candidates come to me over the years that sometimes I might've been busy and I missed their resume or I, I, something happened and I just couldn't see it. And they came to me and I said, you know what? Wow. Thank God. Thanks so much for ringing me. Mm. Thanks so much for making contact because now you've saved me a lot of work. You know, the right, the, the great candidate has come to me. 
Yes, you have to read a, 200 resumes. Yeah, that's a recruiter's dream. <laughs> you know, we recruiters want to make placements. We want to put the right people in the right jobs. So if the right people come to us, you've just saved us a hell of a lot of work, right? So you have to make sure that you are marketable and you are the right person. And you have to have a strategy of how you come to us and sell the fact that you are the right person and the right for that job. And you've just saved me a lot of hassles. Mm. And as I mentioned, people are scared nowadays to even make a phone call and they're scared to leave a message. Sometimes they ring me three or four times in a row, but they don't leave a message. And I'm thinking, that's crazy. If you're, it all goes, it boils down to confidence and how marketable you are. If you portray yourself and you can deliver your message in a very clear and concise and marketable way, I will bend over backwards to ring you back because I want to have a phone call with you because I want to see if you're the right person for the job. Mm. And it, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of turning everything it's on, on his head here. Yeah, and, and I think people need to understand that, you know, the recruiter, yes, they are to some degree working for you, yep. only if you're the right candidate, yep. but then you're not the person paying for the recruiter. No, that's right. The employee is playing for you. Exactly. And if you don't grab their attention, how could you grab the attention of the company? Absolutely. Um, so think about it this way. You have to make the recruiter's job easier. 100%. Right. That's yeah. how you get noticed. Make that job easier. Don't make their job harder. They don't, you're not paying them to do, do anything for that's you. That's right. That is a really good analogy. You, know? you have to make the recruiter's job as easy as you can. So <laughs> how do you do that? You work on yourself and your story and your marketability. Mm -hmm. You practice, you execute with perfection. If you can You do the best you can, of course, but you practice mm -hmm. and you are proactive in how you approach people that can help you. You don't sit and wait for them to come to you. Mm. You go to them. And the practice part is important because I, I went from very bad at interviews to very good at it. Yep. You could say, yes, I had a few interviews that I failed, but it really wasn't that many. Yep. It was, I did an interview. I had rehearsed a little bit in my head. Sometimes you could rehearse in a mirror. Yep. And then what you find is you go to the interview. Maybe it didn't quite match what you thought or, you know, the answer didn't turn out right. Or they asked a different question. Yep. Then you go rehearse in your mind again. Yep. Uh, it's really just mental modeling. Yep. And what I found was after a very short number of interviews or failed interviews, I felt like I could talk my way into a job, which I felt it was very unfair to everyone else because I'm sure there were people better qualified, probably better than I was at the job, yep. but I felt like I could talk my way in. Yep. And that is the marketing part, right? Exactly. And I won't say it was, I didn't do the job better because I learned a bit of marketing. You, you, you learned how to sell yourself. I learned how to sell myself. And that's useful that's when you deal with all these stakeholders, which I had to, yep. um, especially as you get more and more senior. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of questions which we'll get to. Yeah, sure. Um, actually, but, actually, um, I might just jump in and add one more point to that before yeah. I, because I'm going to wrap that up and then we'll, and mm. we'll go to that. So, and the last part of this journey of this process is, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, you have to continually take feedback and critique what's happening. If something's not working, you've got to think about why. What can I do differently? What can I change? What did I learn from that experience? And what am I going to do differently next time? So, it's three parts. Work on yourself and your brand, be marketable. Then market yourself or sell yourself. Go to the people that can help you. And third, critique what happens and constantly better yourself and grow with experience that you've learned. So, you know, if you can do that, I guarantee it, you might not get a job tomorrow, but you will have a much better success rate than if you did what you were doing before. Mm-hmm. Understood. I was going to launch this quick poll. I know yeah, not everyone's online on Zoom. Some will be on on, on um, other channels. But I just launched this quick poll. And if you can answer it quickly. Um, so, but we'll also get to this question. So basically, just asking about what your current employment situation is. Yep. Uh, we might not uh, do all the polls that we set up. But so, so as this is happening, I'll ask... Um, there were two questions really about the same thing. Uh, you probably see it there, Darren. Yep. It's about local experience. And we talked about this before. When I do seminars, um, I often get this question. Sure. How do you overcome this local experience problem? Yep. Uh, and it, right. and you know, the second one, well, it's about, is it unique to Australia as well? 
Um, so what is your answer to that? And you probably get that a lot too. I do, I do. And, and, I'm, and what a great question. And I really want to get into this right now. I mean, it, there's, it, it's, it's obvious when you don't have, um, well, there's no secret that when you don't have local experience, it's a bit trickier, obviously. You know, people do tend to focus on local experience because people, they know that you've already, um, you understand how the working culture works in that wherever you are, you kind of know a bit about how that job works in, in, where, in the local area. But so already, absolutely, it's a bit of a challenge. But I want to say that that's why you have to really make sure that everything else you do is going to compensate and, and even overcompensate in a way to, make, to bridge that gap, right? So if, if I know that I've come from another country and I might not have had some local experience doing a certain thing, but I might've done it somewhere else. I will do my best to make myself come across as such a strong um, candidate from every other aspect of that role. And the only thing where I don't have, where I don't tick that box is local experience. So if I can tick nine out of 10 boxes, mm -hmm. someone might say, you know what? We've interviewed all these people. That's a five. That's a four. That's a three. They've got local experience, but this guy comes across really well. He's prepared. He's ambitious. He's been doing the role in another country. He's um, he, he's he's eager to learn. He's he's got a he's got a he, you know that he's got to put he or she is going to put everything they have into it. And then you might say, you know what? Let's take a chance because mm -hmm. you've shown me that you are hungry and that you've mastered your, the way you deliver your, your, you know, your, uh, what you do, you've mastered how you speak to people. You, you've got great people skills. You've got great communication skills. You, you can tick every other box except for the local experience. So for me, nine, nine out of 10, I'll take it. Okay. And a lot of people don't really do that work and they just hang all their hopes on the experience and they don't go and do the rest of the work. And then that's why that, you know, they might not have some success because someone else has local experience. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because uh, what I've also found is there is a cultural factor. And, and my experience is I worked with a very large company, uh, a few hundred thousand employees. Yep. And they had a, a huge head office with thousands of people in there. And they had a whole floor. When I looked for, went looking for the manager, it was everyone was IT. And um, my perception, and, and there were a couple of guys who attended the meetings and their manager. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of guys never really spoke in the meetings. And I, I was looking for the manager and I couldn't find them. I found these two guys. And I couldn't understand them. But also, there's also this idea of when I work with uh, certain people, especially from overseas, the culture is different. And one of the factors in that culture is they don't necessarily speak up or take initiative. Yep, true. And I, I, I sort of feel like that's one of the barriers. Yep. Um, if you can show that you do that, sometimes the local experience question isn't so important. Well, it's almost like 100%. the local experience, I sort of feel like sometimes it's like, uh, I'll wait for them to experience all that pain first somewhere else yep. where that, you know, they have to get told, you know, that, or they're told that they can't, wait to be told what to do. They have to do something yep. without being told. Um, and then they'll learn to speak up and speak up in meeting because those guys never spoke up in a meeting. Yep. I couldn't, I, you know, so that was part of the problem. They never spoke up. So I just spoke to the manager yep. and, and until I'm actually talked to them, I realized I couldn't understand them. Yep. Uh, yep. They're talking jargon and all this sort of stuff. It's like, it was a different language. Yep. Uh, so the poll is finished. Uh, the polls is basically even a number of people saying they're looking for work. They're not working and people are, are working, but want to change in the type of work that they do. Sure. Okay. So that's actually the, the, um, the answer to that poll. So that's actually equal number, which is interesting. So um, what I'll do, I'll try to, uh, I'll try to do this. How do I do it? I've also sent the second poll. So as we're talking, you can answer this. This is about what sort of work that you do. Um, so I'll launch that to, um, to the, to the audience now. Uh, so as you're listening, just 
just tell us what you do. It could be help desk, IT engineer, management. You can pick more than one. You could be in project management and um, you work in, uh, you're an IT engineer as well. So allow them to pick more than one category. Uh, so, all right, so let's keep chatting. Um, we had a bunch of questions. So oh, we have another question from the panel here. Yeah, uh, this is from Christine. So how would you tell a good story to a recruiter over the phone? Okay. And it is interesting because I actually, when I teach people, I tell them, you know, if you do get the recruiter, have a, almost a script ready. Yep. I love it. You know, and that's a, that's a really good question. You know, funny enough, someone, someone did that to me the other day. They had a script ready and that was the first time I think anybody's ever done that. Cause I can probably attended my thing. That's all. They could have, but the <laughs> only issue was that script went on for about five minutes. Oh, that wasn't my thing then. It was. It was <laughs> and so I, I, while, it, while it was happening, I thought, you know what? This is really good. I'm really impressed that this person has taken the time to actually at least put a script together so they come across um, articulate. But then they went on for about 20 minutes, 10 minutes. And I said, okay, it's enough now. This is ridiculous. But so I think that's a really good point. But what I, what I want to say is to people that make phone calls and when you make introductions to recruiters for the first time, whether mm -hmm. it's on the phone or whether it's in an email or in any form, you have to be you have to nail it as best you can because that is the first impression. You know, mm. the first couple of minutes is everything. So a lot of people, when I say to them, so tell me a bit about your background or tell me a bit about this, they'll just go off in a million tangents and they'll ramble and they go on for 20 minutes in, into all these details about projects and all sorts of things when all I wanted to know is the, ba the bare basics and the skeleton of what mm -hmm. I need to know. Remember, as we said before, you've got to help the recruiter. You, you, you know, you've got to give him as much information as he needs. He doesn't need your whole story. And to me, that is an example of really not preparing properly to tell your story, to articulate your story. You have to have that so ready and so down pat that when someone asks me that I can rattle it off, it's like an elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you get your elevator pitch ready in 30 seconds, and that's the story you tell everybody and you leave them wanting more. You leave them wanting to ask you more questions because they're interested. Mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't vomit everything about your whole life in the first um, instance. You don't want to be needy, I guess. Exactly. Like part of it is you don't want to be like the desperate candidate, right? Exactly. You don't, you don't offload everything. You just, you just give it a nice summary. You say, I'm from here. I've done this for so many years. I've had experience with this technology. I'm looking for a full-time job and I'm ready to start in immediately. You know, you make it really simple and you practice that. And then the, cat, the recruiter will say, all right, great. What question do I need to, what do I need to ask you? I need more information. How did you do this? Have you ever done that? What about this? You know, it's a conversation. It's a dialogue. And a lot of people just ramble for half an hour and I'm just stuck on the phone because I can't even say a word. I can't get a word in edgewise. And they've lost me. And that tells me that they haven't prepared and they haven't, they're not self-aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So that's why everything comes back to market, marketability and preparation. You know, you have to do this. And as a similar story to you, like years ago when I was, when I left pharmacy, I went into work for a pharmaceutical um, company. But actually before I did that, I was actually trying to work, oh, sorry, after that, I was looking for work as a recruiter in the pharmaceutical industry. Okay. And I never got a job, but I ended up getting a job in recruitment. And the same story with you. I started off, you know, being very um, simple and, and average in my job seeking abilities, but then I got better and better and better. And by the end of it, I got it. I was in an interview with a panel of like five or six people. And the feedback I got from the recruiter at the time for my application was said, He's too, he's too arrogant. He's too cocky. He's too confident because I went from one extreme to the other because, and, and just go, as an example, it just goes to show you that over time you can get better at executing and you can practice, but I went too far to the other side and I got so confident that I became, I became arrogant. So just, you know, what I'm trying to say is you have to practice and you have to be self-aware of what's going on in the situation and you have to give the recruiter only what he needs and then allow him to ask you for more. 
No, understood. Understood. Ah, oh, I got a, a my landline never ever goes off. <laughs> I don't even use it. <laughs> so someone's marketing called me. Yeah. Um. So it'll ring out. Uh. Awesome. So as, as that poll, uh, not everyone's voted. So if you just have a chance, just tell us what you do. Uh, I'll just leave that there for a second longer. Okay. So that's um. As I mean, that's great information. And, and look, it's true. Uh my experience was this stuff can be learned. Absolutely. It can. And th that script that you're going to have, uh, th this is my approach. And you tell me if this is right. Okay. Yeah. I'll call. If I send the resume, I won't leave it to chance. I'll try to call them to get them to read it quickly. Perfect. Great. All right. I'll call. Now, most of the time they won't answer. Yep. yep. So I will leave a message, Yep. but I might call again. Second time, usually someone else answers and says, oh, look, no, it's okay. I, I was just following up. Um, I did leave a message earlier. Because sure. you don't want to have 15 messages on their desk, right? Who's this guy? Desperate person. Yeah. So there's one message. If they call back, that's fine. If they don't, I'll just continue, I might just call a couple more times. Sure. Great. If they, I get them on the phone, and I, I actually do find about 25% of the time, I get them on the phone. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I will have a little bit of a pitch ready. Yep. Uh, but I'll make the pitch relevant because there's a job description there. 100%. Uh, and you, you can't go off and if you have this to say, is this the job? If you go off a tangent is unrelated, then that's, you know, you're not interesting. After that, you've lost them. Gone. That's right. But I also put a few achievements in there. I'll, I'll put a few highlights. I drop yep. a few things, you know, you drop a few names, not so much the names of the companies, but I might've got an award or I've done a certain thing. Beautiful. Love it. But then I might ask a question. Yeah. Because I, what I do is I think about what is the uh, quality candidate do. Uh, the quality candidate is not desperate. They want to know if this job suits them as well. 100%. So therefore, you stick to about a minute, minute and a half. Uh, they might ask a question back, but you also ask them a question. Yep. And also, there's a, you know, you get their interest if the, Resume has to go through a system. They might just say, oh, can you just send it directly to my email? Yep. And therefore you send it directly to email. And what I do, I just make notes about what we talked about because I might have a list of recruiters that I spoke to and I'm terrible with names. Um, so, so I'll write up on a spreadsheet who I called, what recruiter was, what was the job, what was the salary level, yeah, what we yeah. talked about. Yep. Was I supposed to do something or was they going to get back to me by a certain day? Yep. And therefore, by that day, if they don't get back to me, I'll call them. Perfect. perfect. All that sort of stuff. And then, so if someone calls me back, I'll quickly go to my spreadsheet yep. and work out who this was because I can't remember. Because yep. I might have tailored my resume too. I love that it, role. Right? Beautiful. And said certain things. So I'm going to make sure I don't say something wrong, uh, which wasn't what we talked about. So this is that, that attitude of, I'm marketing to these people. These guys aren't working for me. I've got to sell them. 100%. Yep. Yeah. These guys are paying me in a way. Yep. 100%. For, or, or, yeah. They, ha they have to, um, or I really, they, I benefit them. So therefore they're my client. Yes. Yep. That's, and, that's the way I look at it. And uh, you, the stuff that you've just come up with is absolutely brilliant. And I'm glad you did because in my first part of the process, when I mentioned you have to be proactive, I didn't actually go into the tactics Mm -hmm. and you just outlined the exact methodology that I would recommend. Right. And that is don't answer, don't just send out your resume and wait. Mm -hmm. Try and make contact with someone before you send your resume. Get them on the phone at least. Try once or twice. If it doesn't work, send mm -hmm. your resume and then make a call and follow up and make a few calls to follow up, but not every five seconds. Mm -hmm. you know, once a day, once every two days. Did you get my application? Blah, blah, blah. And then as you say, make sure you have a script ready. Make sure you're prepared. Mm -hmm. You execute. You're, you know, you've role played. You know what you want to say. Don't ramble. And then ask an intelligent question because I think that's brilliant. You know, because what, what, what defines and what separates sometimes great people from okay people is how they ask questions. Because mm. questions can tell, tell you so much about how that person thinks. Mm. how that person conducts themselves. So brilliant. And then and your last part was keep a little spreadsheet of information because I can't tell you how many times I have, you know, I've got 20 phone calls, 20 candidates to get back to today. 
And I just make a phone call, say, just returning your call, but I can't remember which role they're, um, you know, inquiring about. Oh, yes. So they might, if they can say to me, oh, yeah, I called you about this. And they look at their spreadsheet and say, I called you about the help desk job in Canberra. Beautiful. Fantastic. Let's have a chat. Otherwise, I have to start spending five minutes trying to work out what, what job they were looking for. Yes. So everything you've said is absolutely brilliant. And I, it's a great strategy. And the only one thing I just want to add is when you do that, you separate yourself from all the other people out there that are just spraying and praying or sending out resumes and waiting. You are now saying, I'm coming to you. And that recruiter will say, I like you. Here's my direct email address. Can you send me an email directly? And instead of going to the resume box that everybody else goes to, you come to me directly because I like you and I want to bring you to the top of the pile mm -hmm. because you've come to me and you've been successful in selling yourself. So mm. it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And that top of the pile is sort of important, I find, yeah. um, because what happens is sometimes I get a call for a role and then the role's not even advertised yet. They're probably still typing the ad, yeah. but they call me first to see if I can do it. And then sometimes it's like, why'd you call me? This role is like not really suitable for me. Yeah. Yep. But they, they like you. So they thought they'd give you a chance first. Yep. You're, the, you're, the, you're like the, the number one candidate they want to place. Yes. Anything that's remotely suitable, they ring you and see if they can, if it's any good for you. Mm -hmm. Because, agree, because agree. you stand out. And yes. why? Because you've marketed yourself. You've prepared yourself. You've sold yourself. You've executed properly. You've done the work mm -hmm. up front. If you don't do the work up front, you can't expect to, to reach that level of, um, of um, priority. Mm. Understood. Understood. Um, let's talk about trends now. Mm, sure. Trends in uh, in the market now. Obviously, you recruit for IT, so you see the IT trends. It doesn't necessarily have to be IT, but uh, what trends you see in the market? I guess uh, uh, trends in the way that employers hire, maybe the questions they ask, what they ask for now. Also, trends in what sort of new roles and vacancies are tending to be, um, I guess, more common and others are disappearing? Because I guess uh, universities, people study certain things, but some of those subjects are sort of going out the door <laughs> and governments always like to respond to these things yep, yep, yep. as an institution. Yeah, so what are these trends that people should know about in terms of how employers hire and also how um, uh, and what roles are turning up? More yeah, sure. There's so many, so many new nuances now within the job seeking world. A lot of it's still the same, but there's a few nuances. So um, obviously what's, what hasn't changed is that you still got to have experience. You still got to have experience relative to the role and you still have to sell yourself, market yourself and prepare. That mm -hmm. hasn't changed, right? What has changed is sometimes timeframes might be faster. You have to be you have to be quick. You have to be able to be a bit flexible in how you um, set up interviews with recruiters and with other people because things now that candidates are really poor in terms of quality candidates are hard to find. Mm, Suitability is, is, is hard to find. So things move really fast. So you have to make yourself available and you have to have that flexibility so you can move quickly to secure that your dream job because you know you need to interview fast and, and recruiters need to interview you fast. So for example, after this call, I'm gonna be doing a Zoom interview with a candidate. You know? And that's, that's another thing that's changed is that a lot of the time now, technology has become the medium for interviews from a recruiter point of view and a, and a client point of view, particularly in COVID situation, we're doing a lot of interviews recorded on Zoom. So I do Zoom recordings and I, share them with clients and they watch the video of me interacting and interviewing mm -hmm. a candidate. And I've been doing that for years, but it's getting more and more popular now. Um, so, you know, the means of interview and the means of communication is starting to change. So that, that also brings its own challenges. You have to get comfortable with video. You have mm -hmm. to get comfortable with selling yourself through the screen, you know, so you have to understand technology. So a few little nuances. Um, what else has changed? Um, you know, a lot of people might think, ah, oh, is certification as important or degrees as important as they used to be? I would say 
maybe not as much anymore. More and more, as I mentioned, more and more clients are looking for emotional intelligence, people skills, attitude. And if you haven't done a certification in, in, in you know, that particular version of Windows, no problem. You've had some experience. We'll put you through a course and we'll get you certified. You know, so there's, more, there's less um, focus maybe on some of those things and more focus on the soft skills. You know, so that's changed. So you think that's actually a trend? Like it has, is more than before? I think over the years, I've seen that slowly change over the years to where it's become, it's now like 80% of what, of, of, of what, we, what we look for and 20% okay. of the rest. Like it's, it's really, at one stage, we used to think, we used to do resume searches for skills and experience and certifications and start there. Now we almost have a quick look at experience, but I want to see the rest. Yeah. Ah, I see. So you don't even necessarily look for those things. So I guess, you know, when they look, when they write job experience, they say they want, you know, obviously this many years experience in this area. Sure. So it's not so much the certification or, I mean, I always felt um, that it wasn't that for other areas, but IT, uh, I might have thought um, yeah. it would be more, the technical part is more important. Yeah, like, 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 for, yeah. like for example, when I, when I look for, when I look for a resume, I look for a resume really quickly. Well, if I'm look, if I'm recruiting for a, say I'm, I'm recruiting for a help desk role, right, mm-hmm. or an IT engineer, all I look for is how many years have you been in that industry? I just quickly scan your resume. I look for which companies you've worked for. If I'm looking for a particular style of, you know, an IT company that needs IT company experience, I look for whether you have IT company experience or not, you know. And I will look for the. This is the big one. I will look for how quickly you've moved between jobs. Ah, uh, okay. And why is that? Okay. Because that, that tells me, that gives me a trend. That gives mm-hmm. me insight into your behavior. If you keep moving jobs every six months, I can see that you're not going to be a person that's going to stay in a job. You're not going to be a person that's going to make that, give that job your all and make it your home and allow them to develop you and train you and put resources into you. You might get another offer three days later with a little bit more money and off you go. So I know already you're a risk, you're a flight risk. So to me, they're already, they go to the, they, they go to the side. If they've done this many times, they're a serial <laughs> offender in that respect. I will say, no, nah, you're too risky. Wow. Okay. Right. So I, I look at trends. I look at, I read between the lines, you know, recruiters, we don't have time to read every word and every skill and every bit of technology. We, read, we scan a resume quickly and we read between the lines. We want to know what, the, what story is the resume telling us. So yes, that's, that's interesting because it really, that's what it is, right? Your resume is a biography. Yep. It's a professional biography. Yep. It's a story. It's a biography. And it could be interesting or it can be really boring yep. or it could be completely obviously useless. So, I, and I actually have found this keyword stuffing really is bad, isn't it? Like people stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Don't stuff. go and stuff a million words hundred times just because you think that's going to pop up on a search. You know, that's, that's old school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to launch a poll uh, just to ask people whether they work within an IT company. I should put other as well, but sure. um, this is for people who actually work in IT because you've been an IT recruiter. Do you work within an IT company or work in-house in a company doing IT for that company? Yeah. So I've just launched that. So you have a chance just to uh, fill that out. We'll keep talking. What about... Um, and I know this sort of sounds like, okay, well, obviously you're a recruiter. We want to make sure you stay in business. <laughs> but if, if how, what creative ways can people look for roles, which isn't yeah, necessarily a recruited ad, let's say. Sure. You, don't, do, I, do you advertise uh, everything? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I yeah, okay. So the main, the way that I work is I advertise everything. I'm also do everything through LinkedIn. LinkedIn has become a very big market, marketing channel for me. Mm-hmm. I post my new jobs. I market myself and everything I do on LinkedIn. Um, and sometimes I post, you know, a lot of the job sites now will post to a lot of free websites like Gumtree and other things and, you know, jo- all these other platforms automatically. Okay. So generally, a lot, like a lot of jobs go to um, ads, but there used to be a statistic to say that 70% of the jobs don't even make it to the ad stage or make it to the recruiter stage because people internally know other people or you know, a lot of uh, internal recruiters or internal um, and managers will have their own ways of doing things. 
Mm -hmm. have their own pools of candidates. So a lot of times you won't even get stuff that goes to ads. Mm. So, you know, the, re the recruitment path is not the only path to finding a job. Um, and I would say, you know, if you're looking for work, you have to cover all your bases. You have to go to all the recruiters that can help you. You have to go directly to companies. You have to go to other people that might have access to people that work in your industry. You might go to, you know, seminars and, 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 and work, you know, uh, conferences and other things and meetup groups. Mm -hmm. You might put yourself in front of other people that need what you do. Don't think of it as only, and again, you know, I'm, I keep coming back to it. It's marketing. You know, this is, you're basically working at how to market yourself across many different channels. You don't just rely on one. Right? No, understood. Understood. And, and I think one thing that uh, I have, you know, from some of the research, one thing people could do, and I talk about as a little, people talk about the hidden job market, doesn't go to ad. So when they go to recruit, obviously they have to pay you money. It could take some time. You have to advertise and do a few things. But let's say there's no job vacancy. If you approach a company and say, look, oh, I want I do this and this. Oh, there's no vacancy at the moment, but you can leave your details with us. Uh, and if there's something, we can give you a call. But let's say uh, the average stay of a person, and maybe it's different for IT. Let's just say two years. A person stays in a role two years. Sure. And there's four roles in a company you could do. On average, then a vacancy will come up every six months. Yeah. Right. Now, if you leave a resume there, they might have forgotten about you after six months. But if you just sort of email or keep in touch and says, oh, look, here's an updated resume, or just want to follow up, uh, uh, my circumstances are still this, maybe you're still working, or maybe uh, I've just come, you say, I'll just come back from holidays, just want to follow up. Yeah. Uh, just keep in touch. And that will, I, I, what happens is they will remember you. And the statistics say, that one out of 33 of those approaches to companies uh, will result in a job compared to 200 and something from yep. an ad. Yep. Absolutely. So you're really increasing your, your chances there. Let's say by about eightfold. Uh, I'm going to release the final poll, um, which is basically about what people feel like uh, they are lacking to get to that next role. Sure. And I'll launch that now, but then we'll also go to, uh, we have another question here. Yeah, about ats applicants yeah okay and here's a <laughs> common one sure uh so how to get past ats there is no recruiter contact um is provided pitch themselves so basically they don't put a recruiter name which is common yep. half the yep. um put a name half don't any re recommendations for adding keywords to resumes we sort of touched on that about no keyword yep. stuffing what are your thoughts on this Okay, great. I mean, this again is this is again boils down to my initial philosophy and my initial strategy. You know, if you have to find a way to get in front of the right people. So you have to show that you're that you have initiative and that you're creative. So you might say, okay, great. There's an ad here, but I don't know who the recruiter is, and I have no phone number. So what would I do? If it was me, I would ring up that company. I'll ring up the help the uh, the, con the uh, front of house or the reception. And I'd say, hi, my name's Darren. I'm wanting to talk to somebody about the role, this role that's been advertised today. Could you please put me through to the recruiter that's looking after that role? Right? And they might say, oh, that's, they might, there's a million different scenarios. They might say, oh, that's, uh, we, we don't do that. Can you please just send your resume here? Mm -hmm. And fair enough, then you Send your resume there, and then you'd follow up regularly to try and break through. The second scenario is they might say, oh, that's John. He's busy at the moment, but um, here's his email address. We'll give you his email address or his number. Great. Now you have John's number. Or you might say the other scenario would be, oh, yeah, just hold on five minutes. He's on the phone. Hold on, and I'll put you through. So look how many different things have happened just mm -hmm. because you've made a phone call and tried to put yourself in front of the right person rather than just saying what do i do there's no number there's no email i'm just gonna send my resume and pray mm -hmm. you see so i'm um, again it's about being being proactive mm -hmm. finding a way you've got to find a way you know it's competitive out there we've all got to find a way to get in front of who we need to get in front of you've got to do the work mm -hmm. but you've got to prepare first because if you make a fumble with that first phone call it's all over
And, and here's the other thought, and, and this is my experience, is people find reasons why they didn't get the job, but they don't really know. Yeah. The applicant tracking, yes, may have filtered out your resume along with 50% uh, of other resumes, yep. maybe even more, but you, the reality is you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing about my opinion about applicant tracking. Um, it's, it's a little bit like Google search. Yeah. Um, what is Google trying to do? They're trying to duplicate what you're really looking for. And they try to give you back. So it's like a human being going to the archives, but doing it a million times faster. Yeah. Applicant tracking is not designed to replace a person. It's designed to try to duplicate it, but do yeah. it in a fast way. Yeah. So don't think of applicant tracking as this stupid computer that just looks at keywords and gives you a point for every time you mention something yeah. which is in the ad. Yeah. It's trying to be sensible and and say which what would be a waste of recruiters' time, yep. and which wouldn't. wouldn't. And and the applicant, tracking, the applicant tracking system is also a way for us to track comments and history and what happened and data and all that kind of stuff. You know? But what you've said is brilliant because don't think of the applicant tracking system as the gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. It's not the gatekeeper. It's not the decision maker. If you follow what I'm telling you and you market yourself. You go, you bypass the applicant tracking system. The applicant tracking system is not even relevant mm -hmm. because I've got myself in front of the recruiter and the recruiter is having a conversation with me or I've, I'm or doing it on email or however I'm doing it. And again, this might not work eight out of 10 times, but even if it works two out of 10 times, you've just bypassed the gatekeeper or who you think is the gatekeeper tw for two, two out of 10 times more. And that's 20% more chance you're going to get a job. Mm -hmm. you know? So the applicant tracking system is not an enemy. It's not your gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. it's, just a, it's just irrelevant. You have to find a way to market yourself, get in front of the right people, bypass all your competition, and then you take control of your destiny. Mm -hmm. But I also want to put this as well. It's um, think about your resume as your marketing document. Definitely. If you're not going to impress the, the recruiter's not going to rewrite it for you. Even if you verbally impress them, they don't rewrite it for you. They still have to send that to an employer. Yep. And if it's bad, yep. then they can't do it. They're, and they're not going to spend, you probably know how many hours you took to write yep. your own resume. Yep. They're not going to spend that many hours with the, you know, the possibility that this person yep. may get through uh, because they just don't have time to do that. Yep. So you need to write it for a human. Definitely. Don't write it for ATS Definitely. because the ultimate, the, gate, the person rejects it really is the person, is a person, is a recruiter or the employer. They still have to read it. Definitely. So a lot of people blame ATS and I even knew a career coach who just focused exclusively on ATS yep. because they wrote, they helped write the code for one of the original ATS systems Crazy. Uh, two decades ago. Yep. It, they improve it all the time and they're not designed to be a stupid computer. So don't think that that was the reason why you got rejected. Yeah, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something at you as well, like what you said before. I'll I will even reject a resume just because of how it comes across and how it looks, and I'll reject that because I can because that person hasn't taken the time mm -hmm. to put a resume proper a proper resume together. That's a proper marketing document. Mm -hmm. so even the resume itself is a massive step in that marketing process. Mm. As you say, it's a marketing tool. You know, it's how it's, it's a reflection of you. It's a reflection of how you think of how you write of, mm -hmm. of how committed you are to the role. So don't expect the recruiter to go and have to fix everything up and do all the work for you. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll just, they'll just get rid of that resume because it hasn't, it's shown them that it has that, you, you know, the, the person behind it hasn't done the work. Yes. Uh, just a reminder for everyone to, to do that final poll. Um, I see about half of you only have done it, but um, just to, on the resume too, and there's a final question someone has asked and I'll get sure. to that. Um, one thing you should do is, you know, the most impressive resume I've seen is I wrote a job description, someone applied and they matched the job description yep. on the first page in the order that I wrote it. Yep. Most resumes it's like, I asked for this, where is it? Yep. Like, oh, it's on page three. 
I'm not going to get to pay three because you told me up front that you're something else, not what I asked for. Exactly. So that's not marketing and that's not even paying attention to the job description. 100%. That's, uh, that's, that's and a lot of the time, look, yeah. job descriptions aren't well, well written all the time either because the person writing marketing people either, they've written like 20 points and like you can't hold 20 points in your head. Yeah. But it's your job though to make sure that you fill in the gap. Some of those points could be joined together. Some of the points are not important. They're just stuff st stuck stuff in because they thought, oh, you should write stuff like about, uh, you know, working well in a team or, yep. you know, or something fluffy. It's the top points that are most important. Yeah. Okay. So uh, our final question here, which we're at the time, uh, new migrant with 10 plus years experience in banking industry without local experience, Resume is never shortlisted. What could be done? Uh, I guess we sort of answered that. Yep. Um, I'm just going to close the poll soon just so uh, people get a chance to answer that. Um, what are your thoughts, Darren? I mean, this is similar to what we discussed before. Um, Again, my, my, my advice really is try and make yourself as marketable as you possibly can. So fair enough. Resume doesn't always get through. Are you being proactive in trying to make those, open up those opportunities for yourself? Or are you just sending a resume and waiting, right? Are you preparing your script when you make a phone call? Are you um, doing, your, doing the work on that resume so it's a marketing document and not just, you know, a long form piece of paper that doesn't say anything? Mm -hmm. Are you doing all the work up front to make sure you have the best chance you, you have. Like, you know, obviously you, if you come from another place, you know, there's a slight disadvantage because you haven't got local experience. So you have to make up for it in all those other areas. Mm -hmm. You've got to do the work. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can't use that as an excuse. You've got to say, all right, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I am so marketable and people want to talk to me and they want to speak to me and I come across so well that that is it's not even relevant anymore because I can sell myself around it in a way. Mm. And, and here's my thought to that question. Uh, and I won't say, I won't necessarily give the name, but this is what exercise I would do. Pretend you're the recruiter or the manager. Look at that job description. Look at your resume. Would you spend the time of day with that resume, with this job description? Because what happens is because you've been shortlisted, you don't know why. You need to find out why. Now, it could be you have to make some phone calls and then finally get to somebody who could tell you once you send the resume, look, this didn't match. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if you've done that. The other thing I mentioned is also there's a cultural factor sometimes. Uh, if you, you know, I know people turn up later on the call. Um, there is a cultural factor and it can be worse if you've been overseas for a lot, long time, you come to Australia uh, we want people to show more initiative. We want more open communication. We don't want you being quiet in meetings. Yep. Um, you know, they, they look too much up at the boss and do what the boss says or don't want to make the boss um, lose face. Yep. Don't, don't worry about that. We want open communication. Our, our structures are much flatter in Australia. Definitely. Uh, so we want a person who can chit chat a lot more. Yep. Uh, and, and as well, I mean, if you're if you're already if you're in that situation, you want to show people that you're here, that you're ready, that you're hungry. Be be open and, and authentic, and say, look, I know that I haven't got the local experience, but I've got the drive, and I'm going to do everything I can to make this job a success because I really need this job. I want this job. You know, mm -hmm. really sh don't show desperation, but mm -hmm. show you're ready and you you understand your situation and you understand what the recruiter or the hiring manager wants, and you've mm. done your research into what the local um, culture needs, and show them that you're ready and that, you're, that you can adapt and that you, know, you, can, you can be moldable and that you can be a great asset to their company. So mm. as you say, do the work up front, do the research into what might be suitable here, but there's nothing wrong with actually showing that you, know, that you understand your situation, but you're ready to take on the challenge and that you can make a success of it. Mm. No, agreed. Agreed. Um, 
just running out of time, Darren, I think you you actually have some other activities that you do. You do podcasts and you, you do interviews with people. Um, would you like to talk about that? Just tell everyone about that. Yeah, uh, sure. Because uh, Darren actually records a lot of his interviews, as you mentioned, and also does a lot of other career stuff. He's got, he's, you've got your own channel. So That's it might right. be worth people just having a look at that, see if it's going to be suitable because Darren has a lot of experience, 20 years experience. Sure, fantastic. Should I, do you want me to type that into the chat? Or type into the chat. What I will also do, um, I'll find my chat box. Uh, type in the chat box, make sure it's to panel and uh, attendees. All panelists and attendees. attendees. So I'm going to type my podcast yeah. here, guys. I'm going to type, yeah, you type your podcast. I've just typed my Facebook and LinkedIn career groups where I put some of that content and you can join and, and have a look at that. And I'll just type um, in my name, which is yes, uh, Darren so, Saul. And I'll, I'll tell people a bit about this now from Saul Recruitment. Okay. And you can, everybody can find me on LinkedIn on LinkedIn is really my LinkedIn or Facebook, but LinkedIn is probably where the, you know, the most suitable um, content will be. Mm-hmm. And I post a lot of, I have my own podcast called Saul Searching. You can find that on Apple or you can find that on Spotify or, you know, I've typed in the link for everybody there. And I have loads of different episodes about, you know, all this kind of stuff. I have career coaches come on. I have recruiters come on. I have um, mindset coaches come on. And we talk about all the different advice and tips and tricks that people can. Um, and I think not, it's not just the technical skills. It's almost uh, that stimulation of culture. Definitely, definitely. Right. And one reason why they ask for those local experience is they almost want to deprogram you a little bit. Yeah. It's not the technical skills that they want you to learn. It's like, I mean, programming in Australia is not different from programming in another country. It's not a different language. Same computer. Everything's the same. (laughs) It's it's a universal computer. So it is, it is the other thing is the culture. Yep. Um, Otherwise, why would they want local experience is they want you to work with those things and you get it by a little bit of assimilation. So if you were for another company, it might take you a couple of years, might make a few people angry because you didn't do certain things or didn't yep. speak up. Yep. And now you learn to do it. Yep. But if you do a few of these things, like attend uh, some of these sessions, uh, look at the channels, I'll put my channel up there as well. Yep. Uh, you actually pick up by simulation and some of that culture. Definitely. And, well, and the other thing is, I mean, sometimes it, it's a great step to kind of come to a new place, take a role that might be, 50% or 60% of what you would ideally like, mm-hmm. but it allows you to get into the culture, into the workforce, learn how, how things work. And then you will be recognized. If you're doing a great job, you'll be recognized as someone that's an asset and you will escalate and be promoted to where you belong as well. Mm-hmm. You know, or then you can use that as a stepping stone um, to another role. As long as you don't go, as I mentioned, changing jobs every six months, but you know, there's nothing wrong with when you come, take a role that's slightly different, do your time, learn, assimilate into the workplace, and then you have a springboard to work with forever. You know, if you try and get that same job that you had back there, you might not get it, you know? So there's nothing wrong with taking a sidestep to get where you need to go. Mm. And I'm just looking at the, the last poll results. Um, Surprisingly, uh, most people said they lack experience working with business and senior stakeholders. And also they said uh, their network was the reason why they couldn't get their next role. Um, and uh, a little bit less, they, they thought are lacking technical ability. So not that many of you actually, only one person actually said my communication and selling myself skills was their biggest barrier. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. and, but you know what? I would, I would challenge people because a lot of people... Um, think that they might be selling themselves well, but they might not be selling themselves as well as they could be. Mm-hmm. I can challenge, I would have to challenge people on that because yeah. I, I've, it, I, I've spoken to and I've interviewed so many candidates over the years and only a very small percentage really do the work up front. What I'm saying to be ready and articulate and things that you say scripting mm-hmm. and getting ready for interviews and role playing. Very few people do that work up front to really impress me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would challenge you on that because, you know, you have to do the work. You know, if yeah. I was in I think it's even, country, I would do it. Yeah. I, and I think even turning up well-dressed. Yep. 100%. And I actually have found that IT people don't even take that step sometimes. Yep, they don't. Uh, yep. 
because you know in IT they don't you know they dress more casually. Yeah. But imagine if you did right, you would automatically stand out. Yep. As the the marketable IT guy. Absolutely. Look, I I do a lot of um, video um, Zoom interviews now, and people rock up in their jeans and a scruffy shirt. They haven't shaved. They haven't done their hair. You know, they've got a hat on, whatever. And I'm thinking, is this the first impression that you want to create? Mm-hmm. You know, even though the role, it might be techy and it might be funky and it's, you know, Google and it's all that kind of stuff. I would still like to see you dressed up with a shirt, comb your hair, shave and be presentable and show me that you've done some work. Did you really <laughs> want this job? Think about it as a date as well, right? Exactly. You want to make a good impression. <laughs> Otherwise, you won't find your partner. Yeah. Uh, your partner will never accept you if you turned up like that. Yeah. You know, so you've got to no be overdressed and underdressed. Yeah. No ma- matter what the popular IT startup sort of philosophy is, yep. reality is you've got to make a good first impression still. Yeah. That's a great analogy. You've come up with some absolute gold today. <laughs> like, think of this as a date. You know, if you if you're on a date with your dream partner, you got to think about what you're going to say. You're going to think about how you're going to dress. You're going to think about what you're going to order. You're going to think about how you're going to wash your car before you pick them up. You know, job seeking is exactly the same. You got to do the work up front. You don't just pick up the phone or just turn up and say, "All right, here we go. Give me a job." Or here we go. I'm your guy yeah, or I'm your girl. I'm, I'm Let's good go inside. Out. You yeah. won't see it yet. You know, but once you get to know me, you'll find out what I am inside. Exactly. It's not going to happen. <laughs> They're no. not going to take that risk. No, you've got to do the work. I can't mm. stress that enough. Darren, it was a pleasure to talk with you. And, and, and thank you for our audience members on Facebook and uh, live on Zoom. Um, we've got those links up there. Uh, spend a minute to talk. Uh, just copy it if you like and make sure you save those. Um, we're going to end the call in a minute. Uh, Darren, would you like to say anything final to our yeah, viewers? Yeah, look, guys, all I can say is, you know, as I mentioned, you know, there's a common thread that's coming through here for me. And you know, this is what I tell everybody is really, if you do the work up front, you will get much more success. You know, you might not hit everyone, but you will get much better odds than if you didn't do the work up front. So people... Do the work. If you're coming from wherever, whatever situation you're in, do the work to understand what the role requires, what you need to do to impress that recruiter or that hiring manager. If you're coming from another place, think about the cultural aspect and what traits you need to show to show people that you can fit in and you can assimilate to that culture of that company or that team. Um, and just do the work, do your resume, prepare, practice, talk to people like Dick, that can give you guidance in this area because you know you need to make sure that you are marketable for success. If you don't do it, you know you're not going to. Uh, you know you can you can oh, you can succeed, but the odds are are, are much less. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And I'm happy for everybody to connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you've got a question, ask a question on LinkedIn. I'm happy to answer. Um, and you know, there's loads of content that I put up for free as well about this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. happy to, to answer. Feel free to connect myself. Make a mention when you do connect, especially do it on a computer so you can make a comment and mention that you saw us here. Otherwise, I don't know who you are. Um, <laughs> thank you, Darren. Uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, I'll, we'll see you next time. And I'll put up the next uh, thing in the groups that I've put up as well. Awesome. Uh, Good luck, bye-bye. everybody. And I hope you do really well. <laughs>